When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Super Rugby Opeki hits the final round and calling the match will be someone who knows just a little bit about rugby. Ruby Tui, is it going to be exciting? Super Rugby Opeki is the most exciting thing that's out right now. I'm pumped and I'm ready to go for it. I'm pumped too and we'll talk more to Ruby in just a moment. But the big story of the week has been the appointment of Scott Razor-Robertson as the next All Blacks coach. We'll have a chat to former All Black, now commentator Jeff Wilson. The Warriors give their fans a boost with the first match of the season on home ground, Mount Smart. Do you like the Warriors, Ruby? Let's go on. Up the Warriors. The boys are on the season. Oh, it's going to be a good year. I can feel it. And the film out today celebrating the connection between sport and fans, in particular those amazing Tongan fans. You can't get better than the Tongan fans. The Tongan fans taught us all a lesson at their, um, with their league support and everything else. I'm half Samoan, so you know, I was inspired by them. So, yeah, I think they're amazing. Kia ora, I'm Zoe George. And I'm Ruby Tui. And this is The Podium, sports news but not as you know it from Stuff. Well, the big news this week is the appointment of Crusaders coach Scott Robertson as the head coach of the All Blacks after the Rugby World Cup. Before we break down the appointment with former All Black turned rugby pundit Jeff Wilson, I hit the streets of Wellington to hear what fans had to say. I think it's a fantastic choice. I think he's got the pedigree. I think he's innovative. He's able to grow a team. And I think he's been quite unlucky a few times. I think I'm indifferent. Like, it's good to have some new fresh blood in there and see what he can do for the team. I mean, it's been a bit stale for a while. So, yeah, let's see. Yeah. I would have gone for Jamie Joseph. Why? Because he's got international experience. And that's more important to you? I think sometimes, like, Scott Robertson's a little bit, perhaps, untested at that level and has this tendency to go rogue, I think, whereas I think Jamie Joseph uh, has more maturity. Yeah, I think it needed to happen. Didn't want to lose his talent overseas. Understand he possibly had some opportunity over there, so, yeah, get the fresh new blood coming through the team. Do you think that they can win the Rugby World Cup under Foster? Yeah, I do. I reckon we can, yeah. So, hello, Jeff Wilson. Welcome to the podium. Pleasure. Looking forward to this. Was this appointment a given? Did New Zealand Rugby appoint him to get the fans back on side? Oh, look, you could suggest that, but if you go back last year in August, they'd done a lot of due diligence about where Scott Robertson sat and when there was a possible change, or they felt they might need a change, that's where they turned to. The important thing is they put a good team of people around him, and what we can then see is, I suppose, New Zealand rugby returned to being leaders in the game and actually creating uh, new innovations. Look, I will say this. This has been a really challenging three years for everyone globally, including Ian Foster and the All Blacks. Look, COVID knocked everyone around, and and there's no doubt that they probably haven't been where they'd like to be. Um, But the focus this year is Rugby World Cup, Next year, Scott Robertson's got a, not a rebuild, um, but he's got to create his own environment. When it comes to players, though, as a former player yourself, you went through, I think it was four All Blacks coaches. So how do players adapt and change? And there must be some players within that squad at the moment who are Ian Foster supporters and fans. So this is going to be quite a change for them, isn't it? Look, as a player, 
I mean, your responsibility is to go out there and be the best player you can possibly be at any level. And so for a lot of these guys, they'll, they know that now the loyalty that they have had from Ian Foster and support they've had and, you know, the conversations that they've had with not just him, but all of those coaches and management team, you know, they're going into a new environment. And of course, that stock doesn't stand up now, right? But the one thing you can control as an athlete is one, how you come into an environment, one, the form that you show out on the field, and you take the doubt out of their mind about whether or not you should be an all-black again. I mean, that's the, the reality as a player. And so if you continue to perform and be the best you can be, the coach actually isn't part of the conversation because you've earned the right to be an all-black. Now, some of that still, though, will will sit um, with uh, Scott Robertson and, and um, his coaching staff, and there may be some continuity. Jason Ryan is clearly a player, a coach who's in and around these players now. So I, I think it's fair to say that you know, there's still some weight in performances in previous campaigns in the All Black jersey. I mean, Scott Robinson's not going to be able to find 30 new players. They're just they're just not out there. You know, the, the, he's going to have to use some of the guys that play this year. And don't forget, look, the, the All Blacks are still a very, very good side. Let's talk about the impact of Robertson's appointment on the Super Rugby franchises. Who's in his team? Who is he bringing in? I would say the Blues are probably going to look, be looking for a head coach regardless. Uh, Leon McDonald, he's going to be either with the All Blacks or I think taking up a post overseas, but I imagine he'll be with the All Blacks. And then the big one at the moment is Jason Holland with the Hurricanes. He's done a really, really good job. They've got a young group of coaches that have come together really, really well. But all of a sudden, you might have three New Zealand franchises who are going to be searching for head coaches. And they're not easy to find. Um, the big question mark now is, what did Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown do now that mm -hmm. they're off contract with Japan? They could possibly become, you know, do they want to go back into Super Rugby? I'm not 100% sure. What does it mean for players like Sam Kane and those in the leadership positions for players in the All Blacks under the new coaching structure? Yeah, well... The what they can do is they can prove they deserve to be a part of it by performing this year. I mean, that's what's in front of them. Uh, and look, and, and if I look at the start of this season, there's been some serious experience that have come out of the gate firing and playing really, really well. Not just wanting to make a statement about who the next coach is going to be, more importantly, making a statement right now. And so this is what we want. We want a competitive environment. This narrative changes a little bit as we get closer towards next year. But we're all, they're all fighting for one thing right now. They want to be named part of a rugby championship squad and then a World Cup squad. So the leadership, for some of them, it's the end of an era. Guys who are already going offshore, you know, that's their, their time is done. They won't be thinking about Scott Robertson. They're thinking about um, the campaign and Ian Foster and, and, and how they finish their career in the All Black jersey. Yeah, what does that headspace look like, not just for the players, but for Ian Foster? It's like they actually don't have much to lose, do they? Well, look, I mean, I think that Ian Foster's had his say. And I spoke to him uh, two weeks ago and had a really good chat to him. And I and I asked him, you know, how 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 was his, you know, process now? What is it that's the most important thing to him? Is it he's going to manage um, his management team through the next probably six weeks because there's some difficult conversations that'll happen on about their futures. He'll focus on trying to get the best performance he possibly can out of the All Blacks in the Rugby Championship and want to finish his tenure as the All Black coach on a high. Look, he seemed really good to me. I think there's a weight off his shoulders, like you've said. But there's always pressure on. This is the All Blacks. You know, like your reputations as a player and as a coach come from performance. Uh, Scott Robertson's going to find out really, really quickly, you know, because that's what you are judged on. Wins and losses. 
And uh, as players, you, you you take those losses hard, but you also enjoy the success. And what we want is a positive All Black environment. And I think in, a, in a, maybe five or six weeks, we'll be able to get back to that while we just get some of this noise and some of these responsibilities taken care of. Well, it has been incredibly noisy and we'll be talking more about the Road to the Rugby World Cup and Super Rugby. And I imagine we'll see you again. Jeff Wilson, thank you so much for joining us. Absolute pleasure. Anytime. You can catch more from Jeff on The Breakdown on Sky Sports Sunday night. Just a month after the season started, Super Opiki finals are on this weekend in Hamilton. Chiefs Manoa taking on Matatu in the final. But has there been enough time for teams to get into the groove? Will it be a real competition? Thanks for bringing your expertise to the podium, Ruby. First, Chiefs Manoa are looking seriously strong. Can they make it two titles in a row? Oh, absolutely they can. Chiefs Manoa have absolutely dominated the competition. Their forwards are providing a set piece like nobody else in Super Opiki or Super Pacific. Talking to the backs and the Chief Manoa, it's just a dream to strike off the back of the set piece that the Chiefs Manoa forwards are giving. And yeah, that's just such a beautiful occasion. And game makers for you and the Chiefs Manoa? You cannot look past the combination that have actually been playing together since they were 12 years old. So I won't actually tell you how many years that is because <laughs> they might get mad at me for giving away their age. But Arihiana, Marina Tauhina at halfback, Hazel Tubic at 10. Now that 9-10 combination is one that doesn't even need to speak to each other anymore because they know where they're going to be. They know what the next play is. They know when the kick is on, when it is not. It's just really difficult to defend uh, chemistry like that. But also... You know, the absolute bolter in the 15s um, environment at the moment is Tanika Willison. She's the only Sevens contracted player who has chosen Super Opiki over all else, which is a huge, big move. But I think it speaks volumes to the excitement that 15s is bringing to the women's rugby and the rugby community in general. She's playing at fullback. She's absolutely lit up the field. She went viral for keeping the ball in play a couple of weeks back. I was calling the game from sideline. I saw it firsthand. And the way she's linking with their outside backs, Georgia Dows and Merirangi Paul, has just been outstanding. So not only is there the, the experienced heads at 19, but there's the exciting next best thing at 15 as well. Mm, how tight is this game going to be between Chiefs Manawa and Matatu on Saturday? Yeah, so I've played for the Chiefs Manawa last year and the Chiefs Manawa have never actually lost a game in Opiki's history, but there was one game we played and we only won by two points, 15-17, and it was against Matatu. And that is because of the wide, expansive fitness game that Matatu play. It actually suits the game plan that you'd need to beat the Manawa. I'm not saying it's possible to beat the Manawa, but <laughs> hey, if it happens, Matatu have a real chance here. Uh, if they are going to have any chance at all, though, their forwards must win their own ball. Chiefs Manawa this season have had a habit of completely shutting down any scrum, whether it's their own feed or not. They've been absolutely bulldozing teams. And if you don't have set-piece strike, you just cannot win a game. So if the Matatu forwards can win their own ball, and if Renee Holmes and Rosie Kelly can get their kicking game right, they probably have one of the best chances in the competition to beat the Chiefs Manoa this weekend. It's only been a five-round season. It's a bit better than what happened last year with the COVID-interrupted Opiki season. But is five games enough to showcase the super talent New Zealand has in women's rugby? 
oh look I'm a women's rugby activist so <laughs> we'd be here all day talking about this but they call it the stairway to heaven for a reason we're on a stairway and it's I'm telling you now it's step one to a very long staircase and a long stairway so this is step one this is what we're working with and this is the answer to the growth that we need. Where would you like to see it go? How many rounds would you like to see it? How long should the Super Opeki season be? Like if we're talking, this is still one, step one, a bit more of a build-up for the players to get to know each other. I'd love to see the inclusion of Australian teams. They could probably do you know, a bit more game time, but not just game time, but different kinds of games. It's what we found playing in the World Cup, man, it's different playing England and France and Northern Hemisphere teams, just completely different styles. So bringing in Australia, I think, would be an awesome way to grow it. I mean, you've got to hold on tight and brace ourselves. This weekend is just a taste of what's to come. Do you know what? You can hear it in your voice when you commentate. It's so delightful to listen to you. Are you enjoying being in the commentary box? It's bittersweet, isn't it? You know, it's and, and I've also found it's very easy to, to talk about the solutions or what players should be doing <laughs> when you're commentating. It's a whole other kettle of fish when you're out there. So it's it's given me this really grateful perspective as well. But there's nothing like seeing people that you actually know and love running around doing what you know they love and doing it in such an exciting manner. So I guess because I know these women and these wahine toa um, really well and I I know the potential and the, the stairway, you know, the staircase is just headed straight up. It just oh, it does something to my bones. It shakes them up and it makes my blood pump around my body twice as fast. So, it's, yeah, I'm just I'm pumped and I'm excited. Oh, will we hear you more behind the mic after Opeki? Uh, geez, I'm not sure. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> or are you itching to get back on the field? Well, every game I've worn, at least my mouth guard, all my boots commentating. So <laughs> I'm, I'm itching to have a run around again. It's a bit tough to commentate with a mouth guard in. Uh... <laughs> Extremely. It's even harder to sit there with your boots on. Do you still have to pinch yourself when it comes to all of the stuff that's happened, particularly in the last 12 months? Yeah, definitely visiting grassroots clubs and seeing how many young girls come out. I said, who wants to be a rugby player in the gold? And they're all just screaming out the words black friends. When I was 10 years old, I don't even know who the black friends were. The tremendous growth has been mind-blowing. That's very special. The finals are being broadcast live on Sky Sport, Sky Sport Now and Prime from 11.35 and 2.05pm on Saturday. The Warriors are back in front of a home crowd at Mount Smart Stadium on Sunday for the first time this season against the Bulldogs. They're currently fourth on the table with two wins and a loss. Shan's nickel clock star Tufari Toa is back for the side after being released from his Canberra Raiders contract. Kia ora, Shans, and hello, puppy Rome in the background. Kia ora, Zoe. Thank you for having us. <laughs> are you pumped to be playing in front of a home crowd this weekend? I'm so excited and so so pumped for this weekend. It's our first time playing at Mount Smart Stadium and for a lot of the boys, their first game at home as well. My first home game for a long time, so super excited. Yeah, you, you were with the Warriors and then you went away for a little bit and now you're back. How good are Warriors fans? Yeah, so good, so good. Had a lot of them reach out. Um, we've had a lot of really good crowd turnouts um, at every game so far. I didn't get to go last week, obviously, but... Um, from what I'm hearing, it's, it was a really good turnout as well. So we've got some really cool fans. How's the concussion going? Because you got one against the Roosters a couple of weeks ago. You all good? Yeah, yeah, going good. Thank you. It was, you know, something that's sort of out of my control. But 
Um, all as well. Had a full training session today and looking good. A few weeks ago, we had on commentator Honey Hedemi Smiler, and she said that there's been a massive culture shift within the Warriors in the last little while. What do you think has changed? I guess it's a little bit hard for me to say what's sort of changed from what the boys have ex- experienced over the last few years, but I really think being back in New Zealand has been a big lift to the boys. We, um, we've had the privilege of hearing a few boys' stories and a lot of them really involved their family. And, you know, Tohu Harris, our skipper, he was one that touched on about his family. And, you know, it really struck me in that moment that I was like, man, these, these boys really suffered for those few years. And why did you choose to come home? I chose to come home because I guess it's sort of the first thing that really excited me the first time I was back here and it was about the opportunity to be a part of the first ever Warriors Premiership winning team. And, you know, that's such a such a big motivation for myself and a lot of lot of us. And that's my home team. My my kids, they live here in New Zealand. So um that was a, a bonus for me to come home and wanting to bring sustained success, not just success where you know we might make the top eight one year or the top four and then the next year it's sort of not there we're 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 aiming for sustained success shans lovely to have you on the podium and great to hear your puppy in the background so adorable (laughs) see you later thank you very much for having us It's barely four months until the FIFA Women's World Cup kicks off with New Zealand and Australia joint hosts. It's expected to be the biggest sporting event ever held in this country. The competition has been expanded to include 32 teams in 2023. But are we ready? And has anyone thought about how to make the most of the renewed interest in football that will come after? Stuff visual journalist Ian McGregor has been working on this story and joins us now. Kia ora, Ian. G'day, how are you? Good. So what are the predictions about the interest that is likely to follow? Massive. Uh, absolutely massive. So when uh, when England did really well at Euros, there was 850,000 girls and young women signed up for clubs around the UK to play football. Um, FIFA and New Zealand football expect and are hoping for a proportionate amount in New Zealand. If that happened, we'd be looking at around 60,000 plus girls and young women wanting to play football here. And the worry is, where do they go? Mm. Well, where do they go? Do we have enough support and infrastructure and coaches and clubs to be able to handle this influx? We have clubs and we have framework, but we don't have coaches. We don't have referees. We don't have volunteers. We probably don't have enough toilet blocks. We don't have all the little things that you probably think of. Um, so the the scary thing is that once they decide that they want to play, if they get to these clubs and they don't feel comfortable, they don't have what they need to play, then we miss them and they go on and do something else or play something else. So FIFA and New Zealand football are trying their best at the moment to try and, you know, m- make it easy for them to sign up. But, you know, the, the worry is that we may have left it a bit late and that we're not going to fully capitalise on it. Has this been a financial thing as well, a lack of investment? Probably. You know, money money fixes lots of things. There is actually recently, I think, some money available from FIFA that New Zealand football can apply for to the tune of around $8 million. And then it would be up to, up to them how they 
sort of distribute that. But that's that's only just been announced in the last couple of days. Like to do everything that we need, we kind of needed to start a, a long time before now. Um, but coaches is a massive one. Like you 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 need you know not just men coaches, women's coaches, but the whole New Zealand football and every other sport is under pressure because they don't have enough coaches. So, you know, how can, where, where do they go? Who do they play for? Who's going to show them what to do? And that's the worry. Thank you so much. I'm sure we'll talk more ahead of the Football World Cup. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Zoe. And the video and story by Ian, along with Andrea Vance, will be published on Stuff this Friday. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcast. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Here's what else is making headlines. The implication of the banning of New Zealand's long-distance runner and Commonwealth Games medalist Zane Robertson are still unfolding. He's been banned for eight years for doping and for tampering with evidence after being tested at an event in Manchester last year. The All Whites are in action this week for friendlies against China, first up tonight Thursday at Mount Smart Stadium, then at Sky Stadium in Wellington on Sunday. Don't forget to get down to Eden Park for the one-dayer between the Black Caps and Sri Lanka on Saturday. It's fundraising for Cyclone Gabriel. Paralympics New Zealand has launched the Parasport Collective this week with the aim of strengthening the Parasport community. And following on from our interview last week about the New Zealand women's team making their first ever appearance at the Curling World Champs, they're still winless but have an opportunity to pick up a win when they face Scotland, Norway and Japan in the next few days. Good curling team! Tongan fans are renowned for their support for their teams, be it rugby league or in rugby union. Cars festooned in Tongan flags and houses decorated in red are all likely to emerge if a team does well. A film out today, Thursday, celebrates that passion and the effort to get into the Rugby World Cup match against France in 2011 by creating a brass band to entertain the crowd in just a matter of weeks. It's not just about getting tickets to the game. It's about the whole world seeing what Don can do, man. We're joined by the co-writer and co-producer of Red, White and Brass and original band leader, Noah Finau. Kia ora. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Excited. So what drives a group of people to make such a huge effort to support a team like that? I think it's just being Tongan. We're crazy Tongan supporters. You know, we're a patriotic and proud people. Um, if you live in Auckland or Wellington, you definitely know when our teams are playing. Why is that? Are Tonga fans the best fans? Oh, man, I think would be a close second to, like, Brazil Brazilians with their football team. But um, I think we're the closest thing to that manic supporting that you get out this way. Um, I think it's just 
uh, like I said, we're quite a patriotic and proud people, um, just in the way that we're all raised in our in our villages and in our church communities to be uh, very community village um, centric. So I think that's just kind of carried on over here. When um, for those of us that have been born and bred in New Zealand, it's something that we've um, had we've carried on. But I think it wasn't really unlocked until that 2011 Rugby World Cup when our team came. For some reason, something just switched and the dam broke and the Red Sea flooded in. You know. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's easier to play, rugby or an instrument? I think rugby definitely is easier. Definitely rugby is easier. You just got to catch the ball and run. Um, whereas, you know, the, when you're playing an instrument and marching, you're using different sides of your brain. Um, so definitely musical instruments is something that's completely difficult. And for me, that's why I never played one. I was the drum major. So I just, my body was my instrument. There's something wonderful about the combination of sport and fans coming together. I love a good sports movie. 100%. We're a sporting country in New Zealand. So anytime we can tie it into rugby as well, you know, um, had to do it. So I'm really excited to share this with um, New Zealand and Aotearoa. Um, and also the Tongan people. So, you know, something, a little bit of a badge of honour for Tongans. And that's the podium. I'm Zoe George, and on behalf of our guest this week, producer Philippa Tolley and sound editor Connor Scott, thanks for listening. You can get in touch with us now. Tell us who would you like to hear from on the show. Email the podium at staff.co.nz. Until next Thursday, kakete anō, go well. Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The Human Race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash the human race or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate.